0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to convey some principles over to you. I love principles because principles work no matter what. A principle is a principle you can work at anywhere in the world doesn't matter what culture you come from, doesn't matter what you've been raised with, how you've been raised, doesn't matter anything. A principle is a principle. And I'm gonna to teach tonight on the principles of getting in on the winning side. How many people like to win? How, how, many, how, many like, how, many of, how many of you would be transparent and admit that you get crazy competitive with some things? The rest of you are such liars. <laughs> Depends on what it is, I guess. So, so listen. Everybody wants to win. We all want to win. That's just the way we're we're, we're created. We have a natural bent in us that makes us hate losing. Um, you see, how many of you remember being on the playground when you were a kid, and there was always that one kid, the spoiled one, the one that had the, the best baseball bat, the one that had the best ball, the best everything. And as soon as he started losing, or she started losing, what happened? They took their bat, they took the ball, they went home. Right? Didn't you hate that kid? Still do. (laughs) We do not like to lose. And and God doesn't set us up to lose. Just like those little kids, we get frustrated sometimes because it seems like we might have missed the answer to the problem. How do I get ahead in life? And so just as we have been learning that every answer to every problem that we have is in the word of God, I want to show you that very thing tonight. I want to show you the principles that God has revealed to us in his word, in the Bible. How do we win? How do we win? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You will eat good things of the land. That's what NIV translation says. Here we come again, back to this main concept of, about receiving from God. How do we receive from God? And here is the principle. Now, I need you to listen to this closely, okay? It's going to sound real like, duh, common sense, but then we're going to get into it a little bit more and see maybe where we may have missed it at times and so that we can correct some things, tweak some things. In life, I'm talking about life as a Christian, life as a believer, life as a child of God, a follower of Jesus, okay? We're in a different system than the rest of this world, Okay? The world around us operates in one type of system. We are called to operate in a completely different system, okay? Here is the system that operates the kingdom of God. There is the God side of things. There is the man side of things. Do not forget that. Now, you may, if you have a church background, you may have been raised in the type of church where they taught you that God is in control of everything. Now, let's just think about that. If that were true, then he's not doing a very good job. Yes or no? If, if he's in control of everything, and he has the final say in everything, then something's wrong someplace. Because things are not going the way he designed it to go. Amen? This world, our world is in trouble. And it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. So there's the God side of things. There's a man side of the thing. Let's look back at that scripture again, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. So there's the God side of thing. Number one is the God side. The God side is what? He wants us to enjoy the good things of the land. Yes? You will enjoy the result of your work, the result of your investments. Yes? That's the God side. This is what God's saying. This is what I'm willing to do for you. This is what I'm promising you. This is the life that I want you to step into. I've designed everything, if you follow me, that you will experience this. Now, the man's side, number two, the man's side is being willing and obedient. That's our side. Now, I want you to notice this. God cannot and will not force you to be willing and obedient. I mean, just by virtue of fact, for you to be willing means it involves your will. You can choose to obey, you can choose to cooperate, or you can choose not to. Now, God still loves you, but when you and I do without something that he's promised, you can probably trace it back to the man side. Have you been willing? Have you been obedient? Have you been cooperating? Okay? Because, look, I know it's not popular to place responsibility where it belongs. I don't know what happened to our, to our society. It's almost like shooting yourself in the foot. If you know that this is the problem and you refuse to acknowledge it and you keep shooting yourself in the foot, you don't blame the gun. Now don't, don't read into that. I'm not What I'm saying is, you, you brought this because he gives us the choice. It's right here. You can be what? willing and obedient, or you can choose to be rebellious and disobedient. God's love towards us is not contingent upon those. However, you and I eating the good things of the land is contingent upon being willing and obedient. So, so he said, and this isn't the teaching about obedience. This is a teaching about the God's side and the man's side. Okay, if you were raised in such a way, and you should listen to me. If you were raised in such a way that you were I don't know how else to say this, brainwashed to think that everything that came out of your life, whether it was good or bad, originated with God. Somebody taught you wrong, because the scriptures do not support that. And it starts right here, if you're willing and obedient. So so by virtue of the fact, now watch this now, that God's giving us a choice, tells us that he's not in control of everything. Now, is he capable of being in control of everything? Yes. Yes. Has he chosen to? No, he has chosen to cooperate with us as we cooperate with, with him. So, so in a real way, in a, real, in a, in a, in a very, very true sense, and this might not be a complete blanket statement, but I think it's a pretty good, a pretty, pretty, it's gonna cover the majority of issues of life. In a real way, God is not the one who determines what type of life we enjoy on this earth, whether we enjoy it or not, or whether we prosper or not, whether we're healthy or not, whether we're successful or not. He's laid out the principles. It's up to us if we're gonna work those principles. And, and I'm glad it's this way, because no one group on this earth, no one individual that's ever been born, ever living on the planet now, ever will be living, could ever say, God, you are not fair, because you gave that person more of an opportunity than you gave to this person. That is absolutely not true. Now, if God were the one that was pulling all the strings, if God was the one that was completely in control of everything, then we could say, wow, he's really an unfair God. But what does he do? In his goodness, because he is love, he lays out the principles and then says to you, okay, here they are. Now, if you are willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good things of the land. The man's side, being willing and willing. If your attitude needs to change, do it. If you have developed a pattern of ignoring or disobeying the word of God, repent, turn around in your thinking, and go in the opposite direction. God is saying, I'm giving you the principles you need to get ahead of the curve. Just do them. Just do them. So we should assume, and very rightly, that if I change my attitude based on what I'm seeing in the word of God, the way he has laid the principle that If I change my attitude, if I change my perspective, my viewpoint, if I start to, listen, listen, if I start to place value where God places value, then my life should be in better shape in the future than what it is now. Why would we continue doing the same thing over and over again that's not working? That's called insanity. And yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We realize that maybe the way that we're praying is not really getting results, but we keep praying that way. Why? Well, this is how I was taught. Well, if you were taught wrong. There was an old story when I first got born again that has stuck with me all these 33 years. It was so, it was so the story goes like this. This, this newlywed goes to, her, goes to her mom and says, I'm going to prepare a big dinner, and I want to invite the whole family over. So the mom comes over, the grandmother comes over, the family comes over, and they're all around in the kitchen watching her prepare the meal. And she takes a ham, and before she does anything else, she cuts off the one end of the ham, cuts off the other end of the ham. And so the husband now, who's a newlywed, says, why are you doing that? Well, that's because that's how my mother did it. Yeah, yeah. And so they go talk to mom. "Son-in-law, new son-in-law goes to mom, to so mom. My family baked hams all the time. We never did this. Why do you cut both ends of the ham off? Well, that's because my my mother did it. Grandma did it that way. And so they go to grandma, why why, come you cut both ends of the ham off? She said, because the pan I had was too small. (laughs) How many times do we keep doing the same thing? Not realizing why we even do it that the reason has actually absolutely no bearing upon how it's going to work. But yeah, we keep doing it that way. Are you wasting both ends of the hair? And you keep doing it? Because that's the way we always did it. Change it. Now listen, this idea and this concept, which is all throughout the word of God, can't find one, one place in the word of God, but this doesn't operate this way that there is the God side of things and there's the man side of things. God presents his grace to us. Every promise that God has ever presented to you is a manifestation of his grace. Now, with every manifestation of grace, we are required to release faith. There's the God side, there's the man side. I call this concept cooperative faith. You let that sink in. Because so many of us, I have faith, I have faith. Okay, but is your faith that you claim you have and the faith that you claim that you've built in your life, is it causing you to cooperate with God or are you just sitting back and just saying, I have faith, I have faith. I want to ask you this question and we're going to go into some things here. What is the evidence of your faith? Because faith, faith itself is the evidence of things hoped for. Or is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. But you see, it's a thing that's unseen. But listen to me. When you have cooperative faith, the thing that's unseen today is seen tomorrow. Are you catching this? It doesn't, see, when you really are operating cooperative faith, you reach the day or the time or the season when what was unseen just jumps on the scene and you see it and you go, This happened because of faith. This is it's not dormant. It's not it's not in the sweet by and by. It's not someday down the road. It's you've got it. Okay? Now you have got it and you possess it and it's real to you. It might not be real to anybody else, but it doesn't matter. Why? Because your faith is going to take it from the realm of the unseen, and bring it into the realm of the seen. And that's how we know our faith has cooperated with God. Are you catching this? Listen to me. When you work this, you are on the winning side every single time. Why? Because it's impossible for him to lie. If he said, I'm going to give you access to the good things of the land, if you're what willing and obedient. Let's let's say. I know sometimes we have a hard that word obedient gets stuck right here, like. Ugh. So let's 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 switch the word out for cooperative. Is that better? It's if let's just say it with me. Let's say cooperation. Ready, ready? Cooperation. See how nice and smooth that is. Didn't get stuck here. So God's saying, if you are willing, in other words, if you line your attitude up with me and you cooperate, I'll let you enjoy the good things of the land. You realize that God's not afraid of you enjoying good things, right? You realize that? And you realize that that's relative to where you're at, the season of life that you're in? It's relative to where you live. It's relative to all these other things. Why? Because you see, somebody, who, somebody who's in Africa right now that just needs clean water for their children, eating the good of the land for them is, they strike a well someplace and they've got water where nobody else in the village has water. To you and me, it's maybe finding a house that maybe accommodates the size of your family. But they're all eating the good of the land. Amen? Yeah. So, so why am I saying that? In 33 years of being a Christian, I've seen this plague on individuals. Don't let it happen to you. Don't be that person where they get jealous when they see somebody else eating the good of the land. Don't get jealous. Don't get jealous. Well, how should I respond, Pastor? I'm next. I'm next. Why? Because the same God that delivered the good things of the land to them, come on now, is the same God that you're worshiping and the same God that you're connected to and the same God that's allowing you to cooperate with him. So don't get jealous when somebody in line in front of you is eating the good of land. Guess what? He's got enough for them and you too. Psalm 37 says, don't fret when you see evil doers prosper. Don't pay attention to it. Let it go. Let it go. So I'm next. I'm next. Go ahead and say it to somebody. Say, so I'm next. Amen. So, Let me throw this at you. Again, we're calling this cooperative faith, right? So we are called to live a life in which God is able to live his life through us. Let's say it again because some of you are not listening. We are called to live a life in which God is able to live his life through us. Listen, that is the reason why the Holy Spirit comes to live in a believer. Man, I could teach on this one for a week. We're always looking for Abraham's promises. When I first got born again, 33 years ago, that's all we heard of is promises of Abraham. Abraham's promises. Promises of Abraham. We're blessed as Abraham. Well, what is the promise of Abraham? Promise of Abraham. Some people say promise of Abraham is very rich. And lots of flocks and lots of herds and lots of silver and lots of gold. And lots of employees. Back then they called them servants. That's the promise of Abraham. No, it ain't. That includes the promise of Abraham. That's included in the promise of Abraham. But the promise of Abraham is this. Because it's talked about in Galatians. That the Spirit of God will once again live and dwell in human beings. Why? Because it goes back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created what you and I would call born again. Adam and Eve were created with the Holy Spirit inside. them. Adam and Eve created with the Spirit of God already in them. It's, like, it's just like, you know, you, you can order a car today and something that may, may have been considered an extra years ago, now it's just already in, it's already in there. It's already built in. The car is created that way. Adam and Eve were created with the Holy Spirit already in them. You remember God breathed (sighs) in Adam's nostrils, and it says he became a living spirit. Literally in Hebrew, a speaking spirit. So what happened? They lost that in the fall. And what was God trying to do? God's just trying to get back in there again. And so what happens? Jesus comes along, and through his death, battle, battle, and resurrection, which we're going to celebrate in a few weeks from now, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, God once again, in his, by his spirit, could indwell human beings. But now let me ask you this question. What good is it to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us if we're not going to cooperate with him? Does that make sense? Why, why even bother because you see, he is going to reveal to you the promises. He's going to reveal to you your part in the deal, what you're going to have to do, the man's side, the God's side. And he's going to empower you to do it. I mean, this is a win-win situation. He, he sets us up by revealing, this is what I want to do for you. I want to give you the good things of the land. Now, now you're going to have to cooperate with me, but I'm going to put my spirit in you, So that's going to become, as long as you you are led by my spirit, as long as you yield to my spirit, it's going to be very easy for you to do the man's side. Why? Because of grace. Great. Well, this is so good if you'll pay attention to it. Grace empowers us to do the man's side. Now, see, in the Old Testament, when Isaiah wrote that down under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you are willing and obedient, they had to do it in their own power but guess what? Something happened between then and now. The cross splits history. And on this side of the cross, where you and I are, on this side of the cross, his spirit lives in us. And his spirit empowers us to be able to do the things that we previously would have to have done them in our own willpower, our own strength, and most of the time we would fail. Yes or no? How do we know that? Because in the Old Testament, most of the time they failed. So the God side of the word is how he reveals his will, his plans, his desires to his children. The man side is how we are to respond, how we're to cooperate and conduct ourselves in order to fulfill the God side. Let me give you some examples. All right, you ready? Because now the teaching starts. You ready? Okay. There's a God side of forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 Jesus said, moreover, if your brother sins against you and go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be like to you, a heathen and a tax collector. Okay. That's the context. Look at verse 21 now. Because we always like to go to Peter's question to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? But if you don't understand the context of why he asked this question, Jesus presented some pretty heavy-duty stuff here. He said, there are going to be people among you you that are going to do the wrong things. There are going to be some people among you that are going to refuse to be willing and obedient. And so it's your responsibility. Now, Now today, this message here today, we'd have people protesting up and down the sidewalks. Who are you to judge? I'm, nope, I don't judge. The word judges. The word draws the line. Are you getting this? Now, now you want to make sure with that, you're on, the, you're on the right side of the line. Well, the way I see it, honey, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the way you see it don't mean anything unless it lines up with what the word of God says. That sounds legalistic. No, it sounds smart because this is his game. And he can take the ball and go home anytime he wants. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. Do you know what this means? I'm not trying to be nasty or harsh or anything like that, but truthfully, when it comes down to it, this isn't subject to opinions. Now, now, see, you might look at it as a harsh thing. I look at it as, thank you for giving me the boundaries. <laughs> thank you for giving me the boundaries. Why? Because I don't want to suffer the consequences of doing something that you say in the word I shouldn't be doing because I'm ignorant doesn't mean I'm not going to suffer the consequences of it. So, so basically what he's saying is this, okay? Um, if, if, you, if you know somebody's messing up with their life, how much do you have to not like that person not to go and sit down and go, hey, come here, can we talk? Look, I love you. We've got history together. And, you know, I just can't help, but the Lord is just constantly putting you on my heart. Are you struggling in this area? Are you struggling in that area? Is there something I can pray with you about? Because, you know, I, I, I think if you continue on the path that you're going, then you're, you're, you're just, things are not going to be good for you in the future. And I love you. Now it says here, now watch you, are always going to measure everything through the love of God. It says here, if they don't listen to you, treat them like a heathen and a tax collector. Can I ask you a question? How are we supposed to teach a heathen? How are we supposed to treat a heathen? See, because the natural the natural response from the natural side is, you know, I wouldn't even walk on the same side of the street with that. Is that how you're going to win them? How do you treat an unbeliever? How do you treat a person that's not, that's not born again? How do you treat a person that doesn't have a relationship with God yet? Do you, well, you put garlic around your neck and go like this? What do you do? You love them. You don't have to endorse what they're doing, but you love them. Why? Because love is going to draw. And then maybe, maybe they're not living the life they should be living now, and we're talking about a, a life they should be living for their own sake, but maybe through love. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you, get, you jump in it with them, Most people interpret that as, yeah, I don't want nothing to do with them because they didn't listen and they're not walking right. Oh, that's a go. You're going to really win them that way. But now watch what Peter says. The Peter came up to him because this is bothering Peter. See, see, got some verses here. We stopped at verse 17, and then by verse 21, Peter's still bothered by the conversation that Jesus had. He's like, I gotta find out some more about this. I don't, I don't really understand this. So then Peter comes up and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to what? 70 times seven. And what's, what's kind of inferred here is 70 times seven, which is how much? Per day. Yeah, everybody went. Mm-hmm. So this is the demand side. Jesus said, "It's my will that you live in continuous forgiveness with one another." That's the God side. That's my will. That's what I want for you. The man side is what forgive. So, so faith. If our faith is cooperating with God, we'll do the forgiving. He'll do the reconciliation. He'll give you the peace. Would anybody be willing to be honest tonight to say that you know what it feels like when you know that you're supposed to forgive somebody and you're not? Yeah. What does that feel like? Not good. Not good. Thank you. Me and you, we could talk afterwards. because <laughs> Everybody else here doesn't. <laughs> How many of you know what that, what that feels like on the inside when you know you're supposed to forgive someone and you're still holding that grudge? Come on, come on, come on. Do you think God wants you to feel that? Of course not. So what does he do? Does he say, it's your own fault now you're going to wallow in that? No, he says, here's my principles. If you are willing and obedient as it pertains to forgiveness, you're going to have life of peace and contentment. If you are going to insist that you're right and that you have every right to hold a grudge, then what do you do? You're not going to eat the good things of the land. Pastor, I don't understand. I just don't understand why I've why been praying. I've been believing. I've been trusting God. This hasn't come. Well, maybe. Now, again, this isn't a blanket statement, but this might be a possibility. When you go to the doctor, he pokes here. He pokes there. He doesn't just poke in one place and go, yeah, this is it. This is the problem. No, he, he pokes. He might run some blood tests. He might listen with the stethoscope. He, he checks a bunch of different things to see what the problem is. Do you say to him, you know, I don't like you judging me this way. You just, you know, you, I, I, I resent you judging my liver. You have judged my liver to be the culprit in this case of why I'm having a problem. What do you do? You go, hey, come on, what else do you want to check out? Because you know, right. I, I want to get rid of this pain. If you're willing and cooperative, you will eat the good in the land. So there's the God's side of forgiveness. What's God's will? That you forgive. Why? Because He's forgiven us of so much. And if He's forgiven us of, forgiving us. If He's forgiven us so much, what right do we have to hold anything against anyone else? You got it? There's the God's side of salvation and there's the man's side of salvation. God's side of salvation, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing, here it is, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Why? What happens when a person comes to repentance? They turn to Christ. So God's saying to here, here's my side of things. I want you to experience salvation. I want you to be free from sin. I want you to have peace in this life that you can go and, and, and live a life that's productive, not worrying every day that if you die, you're gonna to go to hell. Because you see, if you worry every day that you're gonna die and go to hell, how much good are you gonna to be to anybody else? Not much, right? So God's saying, I want you to be free from that worry. I want you to be free from that concern. Here's my will. I'm, I'm, my desire is that nobody should perish, but nobody's lost and nobody goes to hell. We know that didn't happen because, because it requires Cooperation. Are you catching this? John 3, 16, the God side of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, there's the man's side, should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Sounds just like Isaiah. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good things of the land. Everlasting life is the good things of the land. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, again, Man's side, God's side. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What do we got here? We've got the God's side, we've got the man's side. In order to get the God's side, what do you have to do? The man's side. What is the man's side? Believe. You see how easy it is? Now, now, why do you want to think that everything else in life operates differently? Everything in life is the God has the God's side and has the man's side. When you make yourself aware of the God side, then you find out, okay, how do I cooperate with this promise and do the man side? You catching it? The man side is to believe. He who believes is not condemned. The God side is I don't want you to be separated from me any longer. Your sins have been placed on Jesus. That's the God side. He did that. They were paid for and you're forgiven. That's the God side. He did that. What's the man's side? I respond by placing my faith in all that God said. Jesus has already done for me. So now I declare with my mouth what I believe in my heart, and I will be saved. What do we have? What happens? What is this transaction that God reveals to us, his will? We respond by faith, and we receive it. What is that called? Cooperative faith. Yet there's people that live their whole life thinking that they have to do certain things, be certain things, accomplish certain things, give certain things. And earn your salvation. No, you can't earn your salvation. All you can do is cooperate with it. Are you getting this? He's waiting. He's wanting us to be on the winning side, so let's cooperate with him. Now, watch this now, because here's where I want to get to. Paul writes extensively about following God's principles to the Christians that were in the city of Corinth. These principles that I'm about to talk about now, again, it's going to involve the God side, going to involve the man God's side, the man's side, were extremely important to these individuals in that city of Corinth. Why? Because those Christians were under such persecution. Corinth was a wealthy city. was one of the major cities in the Roman Empire. Very depraved, degenerate. So when a person came out of that kind of society and declared, I'm not living that way any longer, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is in him. I am a new creation now. I am born again. I have his spirit living inside me. I am not gonna live the way the rest of you in Corinth live. They suffered tremendous persecution. Property confiscated. They lost their jobs. They lost their wealth. They lost their families. When you're in a desperate situation like that, you better learn cooperative faith. Because cooperative faith was gonna put them on the other side of the curve, Catching this? Watch this now. Here's the context. I gotta read this quick because we don't have too many minutes left. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, New Living Translation, verse 1. Paul writing to the church. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving. Ministry of giving. Ministry of giving. Say that with me. Ministry. Do you realize that there is an actual ministry of giving? We were just talking about this the other day. There's an actual ministry of giving. There are some people whose ministry it is is to give. To give to others, to give to other families, to give to organizations, to support the work of the ministry. That is their ministry. That is their ministry. And God supplies what they need to fulfill that ministry. Just like God would give a gift of teaching to an individual that has the opportunity to teach, God will give opportunities. Now, that doesn't mean, well, I don't have that, I don't have that ministry, so I don't have, no, 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 no. No, don't go there, because I, I know where you're going already. All right, so he, he said, I don't really need to write to you, but this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, there was a very big need in Jerusalem, Paul is, is, is kind of encouraging the church in Greece to kind of like take an offering together so we could send it to our people in Jerusalem because they're suffering there. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches of Macedonia, northern Greece, that you in Greece, southern Greece, were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many Macedonian believers to begin to give. In other words, their example of how generous they were prompted other people to become givers. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready. You really are ready. In other words, you're not just talking about it, but you're actually gonna put something in the envelope is what he's saying. I, I mean, that's as plain as it is here. As I've been telling them, that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong on my boasting about you. So here in this context, Paul's teaching believers the principles of giving and receiving. He's teaching the the principles of the God side and the man side. So the God side now, let's refer back to Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Passion's translation. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out. Let me stop here. Some of you shut down already. Some of you just went... Your battery went from four lines down to a half a line. Do you understand that God wants you on the winning side? And most of the times, what is the area you're going to be challenged in? Finances. Finances. What was the area this church in Corinth that's being challenged in? Finances. Why? Their property's being taken away. They're losing their jobs. Their wealth is being confiscated. Their ability to produce wealth. Their ability to even produce food. They're gonna have to believe God for every single nickel that they need. Why? Because the society's not helping them. You catching this? Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down and make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes a measurement of your return. If you read that carefully, you stimulate, you incentivize, you trigger what blessing you're going to walk in. You trigger that. It's not God. God makes the principles available to you. Who's going to pull the trigger? You are. Who's going to fail to pull the trigger? You are. What's going to be dependent upon whether you eat the good of the land or not? You are. Whether you pull that trigger or not. God still loves you but he's leaving it up to you, okay? So how do I get on this winning side? Have an attitude that's willing to cooperate and then take the action that's required. Let's go right to it now. This is the, these are the principles that Paul revealed and taught to the church at Corinth. Why did he teach it to them? Because they were the ones that needed it the most at that time. Now don't forget, don't forget, the letters that Paul wrote were distributed to all the different churches in their regions. So everyone, all the other churches would have had the opportunity to receive this lesson. But he's giving it predominantly, and he's giving it, first of all, to the church that needs it the most, the Corinthians. Let me ask you, don't don't raise your hand. I am sure that if we were all going to be very honest and transparent tonight, we all sat down together, we would determine that this individual, that individual, they really need to hear this First, Why? Because they're in the greatest need right now in the rest of this gathering that's here tonight. So if you feel on the inside, if he only knew the situation I in, I don't need to. Just take the principles and apply them. Let's go through this. This is an easy one. This is easy, okay? Remember this, Paul writes to them. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So who decides that crop? The farmer, right? The farmer. Okay. You must each decide in your heart how much you give. And don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. You never do that because there's no blessing on it. For God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. Now, what would make you give cheerfully? Not only you have an expectation of something coming in, but you realize what he's done in the past. And so that causes you to have now a future expectation Based on what he's did in the past. Yes or no? Yes. yes or no? Yes. Well, you know, I'm new to this thing. I don't really have a track record. I got a whole book of track records. We've seen what he's done in other people's lives. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's, let's go. So don't give reluctantly a response to pressure, for God loves a person who's cheerful, because that cheerful person knows what God is like. And God will generously provide, here's the God side, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you... God said again, we'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Do you not continuously remember when somebody at a left field came and did something so awesome that blessed you and pulled you out of a hole and, and got you, maybe, maybe they paid your mortgage, maybe they paid your car payment, maybe they bought your groceries, maybe they just gave you a $20 gift card, but you remember, my God, I'll never forget the day that that person came across my life and, been, bless it, what, that's exactly what it's talking about here. Exactly what it's talking about here. Where was I? Okay, here it is, all right, verse 10. Now watch this now, verse 10, here, here it is, here's the principles. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, Isn't it amazing? Not only does he give us the principle, but he goes, here, here, here. Let let me me start you off. Let me kickstart this thing for you. Let me start you off. He gives seed to the farmer. And he gives bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, God's side, so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So good things will result from, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Not only are people, the pressure, they're gonna be taken off of them financially, but what happens? But they also then Thank thank God. All right? Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, now, now in, in this case here, ministry he's talking about is service. As a result of you working, we could put it this way, the Joe translation. As a result of you working the principles, God's gonna be glorified. They will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient. Here it is, willing and obedient to the goodness of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for his, this gift. Two wonderful for words. Man, do you see all the principles here. Let's go back, let's go back, let's see, to verse 10. Do you have verse 10 up there? Can you give me verse 10? Yeah, in the New King James Translation. Watch this. This, gonna, this. I mean, if you, if, you really, if you really got a hold of this, this is going to knock your socks off. New King James translation. NKJ. <laughs> Just push the button. <laughs> Here it is. Watch this now. Watch this. We're talking about the God side. What did he say? What's the God side? He's going to supply the seed. I don't have anything to give. No, 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 that's impossible. It's impossible. Why? Because God said He's going to supply seed. Yes. But there's a certain qualification of individuals that He supplies it to. Watch this now. Now, He who supplies seed to the. So-star. Gotcha. Let's say it again. He who supplies seed to the. So-star. The other translation said, He who supplies seed to the farmer. Now, unless you're an idiot farmer, you know what seed is supposed to do. If you're an idiot farmer, you keep your seed in a box in the barn. And then you pull that box out and go, I I don't see any fruit. Hold on to that seed, because that's the only one you're ever gonna see. Because he supplies seed to who? What does that mean? A sower. Someone who what? Sows. What does it mean to sow? plant. So then if I am planting a seed, it has to go from my pocket. It can't stay in my pocket because as long as it stays in my pocket, I'm an idiot farmer. Are you catching this? And I better hold on to what I got in my pocket because guess what? He's not obligated to supply any more to me until I do what? You're getting it. The God side, the man side. Now may he, God, who supplies seed to the one who sows. sows and bread for food, supply and what? Multiply the seed you have sown. sown. The seed you have sown. sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, what seed is going to get multiplied? The one that is what? Sown. Man's side. You sow the seed, God's side. I will supply all your needs. You sow the seed. I will supply your needs. I'll even I'm gonna supply you the seed, but you better do with it what I told you to in the principle, otherwise that's the are you getting this? The God's side, the man's side. And so many people walk around, I don't know why I'm not blessed. Go read it. He's not withholding anything from you. He's giving he's even saying, here, 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 I'll start you off. It's like when they promise you, if you go in the bus to Atlantic City, they're gonna give you a roll of quarters, right? <laughs> Yes or no? Come on, don't lie to me. I know you go there. What do they do? And they're not stupid. They're supplying the seed for you to what? Sow. Listen to me. Years ago when we first started the food pantry and everything exploded around here. I got in touch with every church in our ministerial association that's in New Jersey. 13 of them. And I said to him, guys, if your church ain't growing, you might want to try this. I said, we started with this food pantry, and our church is exploding. We went from 400 to 600, from 600 to 800, from 800 to 1,000, and on and on and on. And I said, listen, it's because of this food pantry, because when you meet the needs of people, and I said this, I'll even supply you with the first two pallets of food. You know how many people took, up, took me up on that? I don't know what New Beginnings is doing. I don't know why they're so blessed. I don't know why they got so many people. I don't know why they're doing five services a week. Because of that principle. Because of that principle. God's side is this. I want you blessed, God says. Jesus said, I came that you'd have abundant life. Well, you know, he must love Brian better than me. You know, Brian's a blessed guy. That has nothing to do with it. His love, his favor, his grace towards all of us is equal. And in his grace, he supplies you with these principles. And that's why my heart goes out. When a person won't participate in the God, in the man's side, but they have a full expectation that they deserve the God side. It's like, it's, like, it's like, I had this happen to me one time. I had my foot up against the door and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I'm going, what the heck is wrong with this door? And then I looked down and I realized I got my foot up against it. That's the same thing you do when you withhold from giving. You're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. Well, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Pastor, because you're blessed. Yeah, I am blessed. I'm a blessed. I'm blessed abundantly. I'm blessed in every year. My fam- My wife is blessed. My family's blessed. My grandchildren. My great grandchildren that don't even exist yet are blessed. You want to know why? Because my wife and I have always, always, always participated in cooperative faith. Always. Are you catching this? So let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with your seed? It's up to you. But if I were you, I'd sow everywhere and every place you possibly, anytime you can, Anytime you're in, a, you're in the line at the supermarket and you see that you got a person in front of you that's sweating bullets because they don't know how they're going to pay their groceries, guess what? Pay the groceries. Pay the groceries. You got a neighbor on the street that can't get to the house, or got a bunch of kids and don't have enough. Go buy them. Some, go get them some groceries. Well, pastor, I don't I, really. On this week, I can't. Then come to the food pantry. We'll give you the seed. You didn't catch that, did you? Come to the food pantry because we'll give you the first seed to start that process. Are you getting this? Start someplace. Start somewhere. Well, you know, Pastor, you know, I love coming to church here, but, you know, I really can't afford to give. No, you can't afford not to give. You're not catching this. You can't afford not to give. Because it's not about amount, it's about willingness, it's about having the right attitude. Okay? Start with a dollar. Start with ten dollars. Start with five. Start with whatever. Start with something. But make sure you're, make sure your heart is willing and obedient. Amen. Because God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful. Cheerful. Excited. I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do this. Did you get this tonight? You want to get on the winning side? Do the man's side. God will do the God's side. Amen?